of America, Washington, D.C., signing on. Eastern time, and you know what that means. It is live, locked, cocked, and ready to rock here on the air in the virtual Green Dragon Tavern. That's right. Welcome, one and all, to the virtual bar on the air. It is Sons of Liberty Live, and we're going to be talking a little bit of treason tonight. Not really, not really, but I do like saying that. As an homage to our spiritual forebears, the Sons of Liberty that used to meet in the Green Dragon Tavern, plotting all sorts of crazy mess, getting ready to get rowdy, get down, and of course, that is not unlike us. But tonight, we're going to be talking a little bit about weapons, something that we haven't really talked about in a specific fashion in a little bit of time now and specifically we're going to be talking about uh, everybody's favorite communist weapon out there the AK the good old Kalashnikov Um, you know and of course I say that in a very joking manner because uh, I'm a big fan of that weapon platform and uh, we're going to be talking about that tonight because a lot of the arguments that you'll see online, you always have that one person that pops up. Oh, it's a communist weapon. It's a communist weapon. Yeah. How, how is an inanimate object have a political ideology? Um, <laughs> I always thought that it was kind of ridiculous. But that being what it is, we are here. We are live on the air. We're going to be talking about that, talking about a few other things. Of course, we've got some interesting discussion to be had about the Georgia Guidestones as well, um, because that has just been a hot topic. And let me tell you something, that is the gift that keeps on giving in the alternative media. Man, oh man, there are some people, that, they, they, I like to say that I'm kind of on the, the, the more uh sane end of of things uh because the alternative media can get a little wild and and man there's some there's some interesting stuff that's flying back and forth uh about it so we're gonna be talking about that just because it's a entertaining uh fascinating kind of deal um and and some of the underlying stuff i've got my theories on the georgia guidestones and share some of the other ones that i've seen floating around on the interwebs today uh that that have ranged from 
possible plausible to just flat out crazy. Uh, and we're going to be talking about that. But anyway, waiting for some of the other compatriots to get in here into the live room. Brother JC Dodge is not going to be with us tonight. He called me just before we got on the air and uh, relayed to me that he was getting back late. He was taking care of his personal business and he was not going to be able to make it on the air tonight. Hey, you know, that's cool. Um, you shall be missed. We will not have a live next week because I'm going to be in Tennessee teaching. Uh, Thursday is going to be day two or day one, actually, because it's Thursday, Friday of the Fighting Carbine course in Tennessee. Now, if you have not registered yet for that class and you still want to get in on it, I've got a couple of spots left. Okay, got a couple of spots left. You know, not not necessarily promising that you're going to get into it um, because by the end of the show, somebody might run out and sign up for it is what it is. Uh, but there is a link to do so on ReadyMade Resources website. Uh, and that goes for the Fighting Carbine course that is going to be held at ReadyMade Resources as well as the follow-on intelligence collection and tradecraft course that I am teaching the following two days. Going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be dealing with a lot of uh, spooky topics, uh, running around in town on day two, doing uh, some surveillance on a simulated target. You're going to be collecting some information, formulating it into intelligence and running surveillance the way that it is properly done. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this class this is one that I have always taught uh, privately to private groups. I've never offered it to the public before, but Bob really pressed on me. He said, hey, you know, I know that you have taught this class and I really want you to teach it up here. I said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, it, it's kind of a touchy thing um, for me. It, it's, it's one of those classes that I don't, really uh like because there's there's some skills in there that are definitely stalkerish um that that if you know you, it, it just depends you know there, there's some stuff that we broach in there that you know you definitely only want to break in case of emergency and um you know it, it it's it's one that in the past i've taught to law enforcement um and kind of uh, limited groups small groups that did it by request only but you know bob really really put the screws to me to do it and we're gonna do it and we're gonna have a heck of a lot of fun uh doing that there's gonna be some of the signals intelligence side stuff that's gonna be incorporated in that there's gonna be a little bit of commo stuff that's gonna be incorporated in that uh, that class is almost full again i've got a couple of spots left open in it uh so if you want to get in on it definitely um definitely don't don't delay because i'm gonna be headed up there and uh, you want to get in touch with me asap uh to get enrolled in that class but i would love to see you out i am not going to be teaching the intelligence course uh the intelligence collection and tradecraft course again this year um i may be teaching it early 2023 we'll see uh, and when I say early 2023, I mean first quarter, um, you know, February, probably February, March, maybe. Uh, and I will be doing it in Tennessee again. 
uh, because it, it's an ideal place to teach that class up there uh, for a lot of reasons, which if you're enrolled in the class and, and once you go through the course, you're going to see uh, that it that it is a very, very good place to, to do the things that we're going to do, uh, both outside the public eye and kind of in a semi-controlled environment when we are doing the things uh, that, that we're going to be doing out in public. So, um, you know, anyway, with that said, I've talked on and on and on enough. You can go check out the training calendar. And uh, I have a lot of really exciting things that I've been working on today that I am excited to offer this community. By the end of the month, there are going to be some really neat changes to brushbeater.org. And uh, I am grinning, saying it. Uh, some of you already know what it is. The online store is going to be going live, but it's going to be even bigger than any of you even know. And I spent today uh, lining up some products, some stuff that none of you have seen yet. Um, well, I actually, I can't say that. One person in here has seen it, seen, seen a couple of the things. Uh, and that would be Brother Mechmedic. He he has seen some of the things, but the, the products are in route. We've got T-shirts. We've got patches. We've got decals. We've got IR reflective patches. We have literally everything that you're going to want. And this is just the beginning, by the way. Just the beginning. The book is rolling right along as well. Uh, so a lot of bright things of the future that are coming along and it's going to be big when this stuff drops, you know, that, that whenever I do anything, I do it to the max. I make sure that it's done right. And, uh, this is I'm really, really excited to get the stuff off the ground. Uh, but anyway, with that said, I am joined by madman actual. What's up, brother. So the AK is obsolete, huh? Somebody I, said that. So somebody has said that we're going to be discussing that <laughs> tonight. I knew that that was a Kalashnikov. I knew it. Did you? <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah, it's a pretty unique sound, especially when there's no mag or uh, yeah, there's nothing in the mag. Kind of does that little ting. It makes a distinct sound when firing. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking all right, Sam Fisher. <laughs> it's it's the preferred weapon of all your enemies and Clint Eastwood. So that's true. And MacGyver, believe it or not. And MacGyver. Look it up. MacGyver. MacGyver only used this is a little bit of, of trivia to show you just to, that in case any of you were wondering that I'm on the autism scale, now there would be no doubt. The very first episode of MacGyver. Angus MacGyver, because MacGyver had a first name. His first name was Angus. Um, <laughs> Angus MacGyver, Mechmedic in the comments, oh, we knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I, you want me to tell him what I know about you? <laughs> Nothing. You're a good man. Uh, but no, he totally used an AK to free a downed fighter pilot. He was being kept in a cage by the communist Chinese. So there you go. This is the only time that he used a gun in the entire series. Offensively. Offensively against somebody that. else. Go back. Watch that very first episode. You'll be like, man, 
this could have been a totally different show. So I kind of like the way it went, though. I mean, it was it was already an awesome show. Could have been a lot awesomer if he had had a body count behind him. The stamp. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um. <sighs> but yeah, I uh, yeah, I was talking to you earlier about the. Uh, I ordered a couple thousand rounds of uh, M855 ball, some green tips, and uh, damn FedEx guy, like someone clearly dropped it on the corner, and uh, one of the boxes, one of the actual boxes of ammo got a little dinged up, but all good. None of the rounds were damaged, it doesn't look like. I just want to see what will fall out of it, that's all. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was weird me out because I, you know, I saw that thing about UPS like not wanting to do anything with firearms anymore, and I was like, I wonder if FedEx is following suit and they're like breaking stuff on purpose. But then I realized you know, I was being paranoid, and they probably just box dropped a fifty-pound box of ammo. Yeah, corporate, corporate saying one thing. I'm hearing something else from FedEx. Um, I'm pretty tight with the the FedEx crew locally, and they, they basically what I was told was that corporate says a lot of things. Um, so, you know, yeah, I, I take it with a grain of salt. The deliveries around here aren't too bad. For a while, uh, <laughs> we actually got noticed that at the Amazon drivers uh, felt uncomfortable coming to our area. Because everybody has Trump flags. <laughs> so, so people didn't get their Amazon packages for like a week straight. That was a good time. My yeah. mom was all fired up about it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, she was like, I'm waiting on my damn sunflower seeds. Uh, it's late to plant them. Oh, no, this was like last year. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, I actually just planted a garden, uh, what, three weeks ago? Because I had a damn groundhog uh, digging it up in the raised garden that I have. Mm. I finally, yeah, he's he is no more. So, um, <laughs> Barnes, finally got to plant me. <laughs> yeah, I got him with a blow dart gun. Ooh. And, uh, oh, yeah, those things, yeah, they got some mean broadheads. But uh, everything's growing pretty good, actually. I'm surprised for being so hot and sunny all day but we're getting thunderstorms rolling through here in the evenings lately so that's been helping me out it's that july weather nice. pattern we yeah get it's like 90 some degrees all day and then it pours down rain for a couple hours at night yeah the humidity yep. swamps yeah it's giving me the swamp ass man all day it's rough. <laughs> dude i was out in it man this is ugh. Ugh. The weather report, dude, Fayetteville, North Carolina. I was like, thank goodness I am not there no more. Goodness gracious, it was 98 degrees there today with, like, thick. I I mean, we've got humidity here, man. But Fayetteville, pretty much everything that is east of Raleigh is just horrible. Just absolutely horrible. Yeah. Ugh, yeah, my you're uh, telling me. <laughs> my family used to vacation on uh, it's like right on the border of North and South Carolina, and we would go in like August 
And man, I remember as a kid, I just like, I had to pack three weeks worth of clothes for a week long vacation because I would just be sweating so bad all day. Go to the beach, I'm like in the water all day because I'm like, I'm not getting out of this water. It's freaking blazing hot out here. The humidity yeah, I mean, wasn't too bad on the beach, though. Yeah, it, it ain't no point in getting out of the water because you, you're going to stay soaked one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, at least you're in not the water, it's just like water and not nasty sweat. <laughs> yeah, I'm warning you now, like, when the boog happens, like, man... I don't know if I'm making it down south because, like, I'll pretty much just die of dehydration immediately. <laughs> I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to be useless down there. Sorry. Can't help you. Man, I'm going to tell you, uh, dude, Salt Lake City felt good, man. It was it was 90 degrees when we got there, and, like, all the people were running around like, oh, my God, it's so hot here. It's so hot. And I'm like, this feels good. This place feels really good right now. It's it's ninety degrees, zero humidity. Uh like love it. Loving it. Absolutely loving it. Hey, can y'all hear? I don't know. Yeah, we can hear you. Oh now I've been talking ad ad, ad living for the past five fucking minutes. I guess my headphones decided to take shit. Awesome. No, I'm like, why, the fuck, you, are, why the fuck is anyone saying hi to me? No, no, no. We, I haven't got through the introductions yet. You just no, no, no I know. But I'm just adding as So as Madman was talking, man. What's going on? You're just jumping in line. Look at you. Well, fuck it. I haven't been here for like six fucking weeks. So you know what? Damn anarchy around here. Jeez. Patriot man, everyone. Slow clap. <laughs> fucking I, I've, had, I've had a fucking six weeks boys you have you, scout scout can attest because when i spent the, the fucking weekend at his house like it was like sitting there sounding like alex jones for the entire time it, it, it was good i will say this it is good to hear you sound like you again because when you were I down appreciate here, that when when you were down here, this this is pretty much how you <laughs> that's exactly what the fuck I, I sounded like. like. <laughs> this 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 is weird, man. This is not okay. <laughs> like, you uh, dude, to... like I said, I went from I went from COVID round two at the end of May, and it wasn't so. I wrote an article back in August of twenty one about when I got COVID, and I mean I'm not gonna lie, that thing fucking kicked my ass. I mean, when I had COVID in August of 21, I was down for two weeks. The only thing that, that really got me healthy was ivermectin. So this time, I get it, and I got, like, the pussy version of it. I'm like, this. I got a little bit of head fog, a little bit of a cough. Like, this ain't shit. And then it wouldn't go away. So I go to the doctor, and they're like, oh, well, you have walking pneumonia now. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I get done with that, and I'm like, I still sound like shit. And they're like, oh, you have laryngitis now. And I'm like, oh, that, that's cool. And, like, during this entire time, I'm working my side job like crazy. So I'm catering at weddings and I'm screaming over shit. And then I'm not doing myself any favors when, like, I go to Scout's house and we just down beers while driving fucking Can-Ams at 70 miles an hour. So, like, I wasn't doing myself any favors for a little bit of it. But this is the first week that I've actually sounded normal since Memorial Day weekend. 
Uh, yeah, Jerry, yeah. no, I am not. Fuck no. No, 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 no. Um, and I did the, I, you know, I did the same vitamin regimen I did. Um, so we, we kind of established on AP, um, there's an article called Ivermectin Treatment Protocols. And it's the, um, not, not to digress from the intros, but basically it has like the vitamin you should be taken. And we're talking D, uh, D3, quercetin, and acetylcysteine, um, obviously your multivitamin, a B, uh, a B complex. And so every person I've ever after I got COVID, and we've talked about this in a previous podcast, whenever someone would get sick, I'd give them a care package of vitamins because I knew no one had these supplements sitting in bulk at their house except me. And it worked for everyone. So I did those supplements too. And I, I really attribute that because I was doing it almost as a prophylactic before I got sick. That's why it was so mild this time because I was admittedly slacking on my vitamins the first time when I got it. But I think it was just some infection on the back end. And it just, it, I just, I wasn't like down and out at any point, but like, it just sucked because you got tired day in and day out of sounding like this raspy voice and, and it, I don't know. It was just, it kind of sucked. So over the last week, um, I really healed up a lot, even through the 4th of July weekend. And, and now I'm here. So I am very happy to be back with you boys. I've been missing the podcast um, I think Mech, even one night you texted me like three weeks after that happened and you're like, you joining? And I was like, I'm going to bed. I, I, I'm, I'm fucking exhausted. I can't stay up. So, um, yeah. So I, I, like, I, I like to say I'm 95% now. I'm still going to go to a, um, an ENT doctor probably next week just to see, cause uh, as, as Jerry noted, there's still a little bit, <clears throat> you can hear a little bit of that raspiness and every once in a while I'll get a little bit of a flummy cough. So I just want them, unfortunately, going to have to send a probe down my fucking nose to see what's going on. But I'd rather them tell me, look, okay, here's what's going on. Like, you actually, like, we're going to write you a prescription to not talk for a week and see if that helps. Or write you, you probably still have a little bit of this infection. We're going to write you this antibiotic, whatever. Um, oh, and then, Scout, the, the one part of the story you don't know about is, if you remember, we were sitting in uh, in your mom's house. And uh, you were picking ticks off you, and I was like, oh, I have no ticks on me. So I go to the um, urgent care after I get back from your place, and he's doing the check, you know, the ears, nose, eyes, everything. He goes, see a little black bead down your ear, like really close to your eardrum. And I go, oh, no. Don't tell me I have a tick in my ear because wow. I'm actually, I might actually kill someone. So... That's when I first went to the ENT doctor, and she puts her little scope down, and she goes, it's not a tick. She goes, it looks like a, a little pebble. And I was like, well, in your expert opinion, can you tell me how the fuck the pebble got down there, or like the little whatever it was? She goes, I really don't know, but I'll, I'm going to suck it out for you, which I wish she was a hot PA, so I wish it would have meant something else. But uh, but she ends up putting <laughs> the thing down my ear and sucking the thing out. And... Uh, <laughs> And then that's when she told me about my voice. She goes, by the way, how long have you had that voice? And I was like, oh, like four weeks at this point. She's like, if it ain't good in like a week, call me again. And I was like, fucking right, I'll call you again. So that's going to be the, the, the one I'm, I'm going to look for when I uh, bring oh, it back. Yeah. So anyways, that's, that's my long-winded ex explanation of why I haven't been here. But it is great to be back with everyone, um, with the boys. And, and I look forward to a good discussion tonight. Hell yeah. That's right.
It's like good fellas. We're we're back together. Hell yeah. <laughs> that brings us to Macmatic. Oh Jesus. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. What's up, brother? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am uh embracing my inner Taylor, and once again I'm sewing things. Oh, I'll tell you what, I, man, John Ammons, John Ammons better look out. I uh, I made the decision to cut off the chest pockets off of that blouse. Yeah. Uh, just because I was going to be wearing a chest rig all the time anyway, and I was like, what do I do with these? And I played around with putting them on the pants as ankle pockets, but I hate ankle pockets on pants, to be completely honest. I never use them. Yeah. So I am putting them as forward hip pockets, like just oh. in front of the like normal yeah. like hand pockets that you get yelled yeah. at for using. Um, yep. so that's what Put I'm them doing on the right top now. of the thighs. Yeah. Yep. So that's currently what I'm doing. And actually, I was talking to John the other day about buying some nylon because I might be oh, yeah. trying to make a few pouches to see what that's like. He's the one to do it, man. Yeah, Seriously. and he's he's really cool with it too. When when I had so obviously I have like four of his rigs, and after I ran my first rig, which was kind of a stock um, uh, Swamp Fox, then I wanted to get so the Swamp Fox for those of you who don't know, it's a split front chest rig. It's got um, four single uh, mag pouches and it's got two shingles for uh, Molly. Then they made a version named after our own NC Scout called the Brush Beater, which is the same design except they're four double mag pouches. And so, you know, between trying everyone's gear, that's one of the best things about coming up to training is trying people's gear. Like, I know when I come to training now, I literally loan out all my gear because I want people to try it before they buy it, you know, see what works, what doesn't. I asked John, I emailed him, and I said, look, I know exactly what I want. I said, I don't want these these panels here. I was like, I want a pouch on this side that fits my radio. Cause it's always going to sit there. And I want a pouch on this side that'll fit a binocular. And he goes, well, it's probably close to my GP pouch, but I don't exactly know the uh, specifics of it. He's like, it might be a pouch I've never made before. Can you do me a favor and kind of try to get some measurements off it? And I did. And I sent it to him and he goes, no problem. Pay for the, you know, whatever it was. I forget what he charged me. It was basically the GP pouch. And, and he was able to, and it's amazing. Sure enough, the, the little tiny binoculars that I use, they fit so snug in there that I know that I don't care if I'm sliding down a cliff, those binoculars are not coming out of that pouch. So in terms of having that, that skill set of, of measuring, I mean, he, he's, he's, he's one of the better ones. Oh, yeah. Hold on. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. I was... Uh... Taking a sip of this uh, fresh cider that I have here. Uh, there's a local cidery. Patriot Man, when you come back down here, man, you're going to have to check this place out. It's pretty sweet because they, they've got a lot of uh, local beers too, but they have they, they have an entire cidery where they make Ooh. cider. That's their thing. And they've got all these different ciders. So, like um, – this one is a strawberry cider, and it is – so for anybody out there that's listening to this and you think, like, oh, cider, what the hell, like that sugary, you know, candy taste and shit? No, no, no. Like, this is this is like a British 
cider. If you've ever had a real cider where it's mm-hmm. super dry and it's got like kind of a little bit of a tartness to it, but they, it, it's a fruit beer is what it is. And, um, dude, it, it it's, it's magnificent. Is uh, it, um, is it close to where the, that brewery we went? Um, or is it opposite direction or tobacco wood? Nah, it, it's the opposite direction. Right. It's the opposite direction. I mean, it, they're, they're cool though, man. Um, it's, it's a cool place. It, and, uh, yeah, we gotta go next time. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, man. They, their products are good too. I mean, um, it's a, I'll tell you, I mean, it's a different environment than tobacco wood is. I mean, tobacco wood brewing, uh, for anybody out there, a quick shout out to tobacco wood brewing Durham, North Carolina, uh, over in Oxford, North Carolina, as well as veteran owned. Um, you know, they, they, they cater to our crowd, but, yeah. uh, they got some killer beers. So, you know, if you're ever in central North Carolina, you're looking to, to hit up the, I mean, there's a lot of breweries. There's a lot of micro brews that are popping up. Um, you know, we made the ride over to Durham, uh, and you talk about a killer place. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, oh. the, the beer was great. I had uh, obviously a scout was driving, so I had uh, I had four flights, and uh, it was um, the, the the it's one of those places <laughs> where a lot of times you have one of two things, and I'm a I'm a craft brew guy. Matt can tell you, I, I, I you know anyone can tell you, Matt can tell you, I have been to a lot of craft breweries and a lot of times this is dichotomy between having something that's small and they do like six to eight beers, right. And, and out of 10 and then you have the other ones, which are the big ones. They're going kind of for the production value. The whole reason you go there is to get flights. They might have 25, but like you might only get a growler of like six of them. Tobacco wood was not that tobacco wood was absolutely Every beer that I got in a flight was just solid. Uh, it was, yeah. it was, it, solid was the minimum of it. it otherwise, it was delicious. I, I mean, I left with, I think, three, four packs of just different kinds I was bringing back to my family, and uh, it was absolutely delicious. So I highly recommend those. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, man. Yeah, everything that I had there was, was great. A few of them I had already had, like uh, the Edward Teach. Um, Edward Teach Brewery, which is down in New Bern, I think. Yep. Um, but but their stuff, but the tobacco wood brewing because up here, it, you know, you go in any of the grocery stores, you've got tobacco wood. Uh, their products are on the shelves. Ranger you candy, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ra- Ranger candy. Um, Ranger candy is is real good. I mean, that's kind of an inside joke between uh, uh, me and Mechmedic specifically because <laughs> I. I happen to remember a morning where you woke up and were kind of in a bad way. And I was like, man, eat you some of these Ranger candies and, and wash it down with Miller Lite. And you're just looking at me like, holy fuck, dude. Like, are you fucking serious? I'm like, yeah, I'm serious. Like, he's hugging the damn toilet. And then I was like, get up there and eat you some eggs, dude. Eat you some bloody eggs. He'll soak all that up, you know? I know what I'm talking about, man. But also, I, I think our trip back was probably the most eventful. Um, oh, yeah. Crash course, <laughs> crash course in urban tradecraft, man. How, how not to get carjacked. Yeah, how not uh, to get carjacked uh, by Salvadorians. Yeah. Don't don't get carjacked by El Salvadorans, man. Durham, North Carolina has got a... They got a so you went to that part of Durham. We Yeah. Oh. We went to that part of Durham, man. 
we had to go to that part of Durham to go to the bar. So it was a journey. It was a quest. That we uh, yeah. And on the way back, it was just very, we got, we got tailed by both ends of the lull, actually. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it, and it we was just went back, thing. played with a drone and drank more. <clears throat> yeah. Durham, Durham, North Carolina, man. They, 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 there's a, there's a saying that people from Durham say, keep it dirty. Keep it dirty, Durham. And, and that's what well, I saw my first trip there. It was it was dirty Durham, that's for sure. It's a fact. <laughs> all right, it's a fact. So RTO Jerry, man, you you're you're saying in the comments section, uh, quick crash course in bro places versus yuppie places. Um, <laughs> I, I'll break it down like this. Now I know that I happen to know that you are, are a man of exquisite taste when it comes to beer. Um, you introduced me to my all time favorite IPA ever. And I'm not even a big IPA guy. Uh, as, as some of y'all know that have, have drank beer with me after class and stuff. Now I'm, I'm not a huge IPA guy, but, uh, Jerry brought, when he came to class, he brought this IPA called traveling Jack. And, this beer was so good, so good that he uh, <laughs> he left all of it with me, which was a lot, right? And and I mean, he he was getting ready to, <laughs> to uh, make the trip back home, and he's just like, man, you know, because I was sipping, I was like, man, this is finally an IPA that I like, you know, and really like, and and could drink all the time, which is kind of rare. And and you know, Patriot Man, that other one is the one that you brought down from um, uh, uh, Pineland. 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 That's yeah. what it was. Because I know uh, Long Tab Brewing is up there, too. So it's Pineland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of them former SF types is up there that's, that's running a, a brewery. You know, they're popping up everywhere. But um, anyway, they, that's that's killer. Long Tab, too. Long, if you can find Long Tab up there, that, that's some killer beer, too. Uh, that's another one that a mutual acquaintance between uh, you and I. He's, he's a big fan of up there. But anyway, Pineland, uh, Pineland beer. Their their IPA is killer too. But anyway, Bro Place versus Yuppie Place. It's kind of hard to make the distinction. Uh-huh. But I'll 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 break it down real easy. If you go in there and you see an American flag anywhere in that place or pro American anything in there. That's a bro place. That's a bro place. That's a bro place. If it's a yuppie place, you're probably going to hear like NPR or some shit playing in the background. You know, you, yep. you take one look like you kind of do that threat scan in the room. If they if it looks like there's people in there that you want to drink with right up. That is if, that's the best way I could describe it from from all the breweries I've been to and I've been to a lot. When you walk in there and if if it looks like because as particularly if you've never been there before, right, you're going to get a read of the local crowd there. Right. I'm I'm a local for several near me and they're all the way that I am. And so if you walked in, you saw me sitting there with my camo hat, my boots on and everything. You're going to be like, all right, I get the vibe of, of this brewery. Um, you know, it, it, the other the other way you can tell is the the ornamentation of their flight so in particular what kind of glass they use in their flight and what kind of um 
material they make their flight out of. So if you're at a bro place, it's going to look like it's almost damn pallet wood. And they just have like your normal almost teardrop shaped glass as what they're using for the flight. If you're in kind of a fancy place, for whatever reason, they like to have ones that don't that only have one layer. It's like a tiny little they took a like a round one of the like, you know, round like you would use to cut a, a doorknob thing. They drill that in a little bit and then they'll put like almost like a mini wine glass on it with a stem on it. And I don't get it because it's the most unstable shit in the world. But you're going to see some guy who has a flannel shirt and thick, red, uh, thick rim glasses and probably has a girlfriend and looks like he could beat him up. Uh, or, or she could beat him up, and and that's your tell that it's going to be one of those fancy places. Um, but it's something I've picked up on that. I guess it's just kind of a design thing where when they're or the I guess an aesthetic thing when you're looking at how the flight looks. It, if it looks rough and kind of rough cut and it's kind of like oh you know we might have got drunk one night and just made this flight rack. It's going to be a bro place. If it looks like it's super refined, there's a good chance that it's going to be a yuppie place. That's that's actually I'd never thought about that, but that you, you got a point, man. You got a point. I tell you one other way though. I was just thinking about it in my head uh, as I was I was chatting away in the uh, comments section real quick. But how hot is the bartender? Mm-hmm. If they, seriously, like if if they got a girl behind the the bar and she's you know, you, you could tell like she could she could be at a feminist rally. I, I mean, I'm just saying. No, know, it's like, it's 100 percent true because I've been to north north of my state and south of my state, and the north of my state is very different from the south of my state, and that's an absolutely accurate description of who's behind that bar. Yeah. So there you go. That's that's the answer right there. It's about the vibe when you walk in, which I mean, for for most of these places, they're trying to be unique. They're trying to establish their identity. You're going to know when you walk in. And if you have any question about it, to Scout's point, any any American regalia, bro place. Chick behind looks like she's probably going to be at like a I'm a vegan and I'm proud of it rally. Probably going to be a yuppie place. Look at it and say like it's a work of art for the for the um, for the flight. It's a yuppie place, so that's how I would I would describe it. Rio Five HAD saying yeah, but she might be into ball gags. Yeah, I mean he ain't wrong. I mean they do do that thing. Well, like. <laughs> I I know three hundred five HAD. Brother, you're you're a former eleven Bravo, and, and even if I did not know you and know that about you, I would still know that you're a former eleven Bravo by that statement alone. We're talking about S and M ball gags, and oh my God, see, Dodge isn't here tonight. That's the problem. We don't have adult supervision, so I don't. Even know. I, I don't even. Last time Dodge wasn't here. Yes. The show didn't even get posted. You're right. So you don't have a <laughs> It was the so bad. Episode. I couldn't even post it. I was giving free business advice to uh, <laughs> retarded internet bloggers. And it, I mean, 
it was bad. It was it, well, ugh, the lost, the lost Sons of Liberty episode. It was, I thought it was really good. Do um, if we don't have a um, I, I don't know if we have an agenda or not, but if we have time, one of the things I would like to touch on, I tweeted about this on our Twitter account today, is you know under the assumption that we're going to expect a degradation of services, right? In the next 12 to 36 months, I'm not going to be that precise with it. It's saying, you know, 18 months from now, um, kind of the things we, we, we would suggest getting done. And I'm not talking about, you know, the buy the ammo, buy this, buy that. The things kind of that people wouldn't think about getting done to make it a priority to get those items done, knowing that at some point in the very near future, certain whether it's items or services or anything like that are going to be hard to get or non-existent. So I don't know if, if we can fit that in at some point, but it occurred to me when I was reading a thread on our Twitter account of one of the guys we follow who I, I, I really respect. Um, and so I thought yeah. it'd be a good thing to discuss kind of in well, I mean, just since particularly you're, since yeah. you're on it. I mean, let's, let, let's not tap dance around it. I think that it's relevant um, the interview that that I did just a little while ago with James Wesley Rawls, we we were uh, kind of elbowing into that territory. We had other things that we talked about. I was bound and determined to keep that interview on track uh, because the last one that he and I did, man, we we uh, like it's a good one. We, we entered another dimension where we were just going back and forth talking about currency and precious metals. And it was like a meeting of the mind. And, and he and I were joking about that before we got on, on the air because we're like, okay, we got to keep this one. This is the parameters that we're going to talk about. Because in the last, the last interview that I did with him, we were going to talk about Ukraine exclusively and like, kind of as a footnote how this was going to impact global currencies and the precious metal market and everything like we, we were going to talk about that a little bit as a as a side note and that ended up being the whole freaking episode man so it was like all right this we're gonna we're gonna cut this down and we're gonna make sure this is what we're gonna talk about today and so and and, and so we did we elbowed a little bit into that territory though of like there's some brooding brooding shit that's going on you know yeah the the uh the trucker strike in canada the hogging looks like it might be happening again uh there, there's some bubbling up of like hey hey boys we're still here um there is definitely a secession movement that is gaining some traction in calgary um and and it's a little too early to really say that that might go anywhere, but it's definitely like they, there's some things. If if you look up Calgary secession and Western Canada, if if you look up Western Canada independence, you're gonna see what I'm talking about. There, there's a lot right now that's floating around on on some of the OSINT. Uh, channels out there, open source intelligence channels, uh, Twitter, yeah. Facebook. They, this is this is kind of some trending things. Um, the Netherlands is another place yep. that it's getting real. Um, well, that's getting real in a hurry. They're done, man. 
they yeah they are they are and and to your point about the canadian um truckers is that they were interviewing a lot of the the dutch so you know a rising tide floats all boats right so you had the canadian protests come out which i would like to think and and i think would be accurate to say that when they saw I think Canadians are are smarter and a little bit more conservative than we expect, and they saw what happened in 2020, and they kind of saw the track of the globalist movement, and then they had their their rising, and then they were crushed by Trudeau. But it never went away. It just went down and and started simmering. And the Dutch, they were citing in in, in particular the, the Canadian convoys as one of the inspirations for what they were doing. And so then the Italians were the next to step up, and there was a video showing Italian taxi drivers actually rushing parliament. And then from there, it was the Polish farmers all of a sudden were getting up and mobilizing. And the last step was the Germans. There was a a start and a button movement in Germany of the, the farmers getting up. And I think to your point, the Canadians might be looking and saying, wait a second now, there's no way to ignore this. We can remobilize for a second, almost a second offensive and go at this because now we have the Dutch, the Italians, the Germans. We already know the Eastern Europeans aren't going to put up with that bullshit. So now you're looking for, in my mind, do the yellow vest come back in France? Yeah. And now with Boris Johnson gone, is there a movement in England? I think if those two things happen then the WBF and, and Klaus Schwab and everyone are in real trouble because I think for the first time, these 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 people who really haven't said a lot are now saying, now we're going to say something. And man, damn, when, when they say something, they're going to do it. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the raw video from it. I mean, it's been absolutely amazing what they've been doing and the support yep. that they've gotten from the population. It is It is truly astounding to me. Well, here, here's the thing too, man, second or third order effect here, because like we can, we can be reactionary and just look at what's going on or we can be proactive and, and look at the second and third order effect. Now I know you guys all do that, but I'm just talking about for the audience out there and everybody's going to listen to this, um, you know, start, start thinking about what, what that is, because one of the things that differentiates, uh, some of the the more elite ends of the intelligence community, uh, the direct action, special operations end of things, is that we're we analyze things in that manner that we think about what is the second or third order effect of of any action that we take, um, and you know they're doing this right now. This this is really significant because you know the Canadian trucker protest. Uh, the honking that we talked about ad nauseum. When did that happen? Like that happened in the late fall going into the winter, right? That was kind of a unique timing for that. And, and it was a, uh, the, the timing is very important for these protests right now. These farmers are going on strike for a litany of grievances against the government of the Netherlands. Um, and, and we're going to see this all across Western Europe. It, it's going to be a trickle down effect. Why are they doing this? It's significant that they're doing it right now because in that part of Europe, we're getting right in the middle of like, they've already planted their crops, 
right? So they got a little bit of leverage there too. So the crops are already planted. The the harvest season is still a couple months out for them, right? Getting into September and then October. That's why uh, with with German culture, Oktoberfest isn't just a time where everybody gets really drunk and sits around and, and drinks beer until you know they they puke. But it is the it, it's a celebration of the harvest. It's that we you know we're harvesting the wheat, we're harvesting you know everything that we've planted here. We're getting ready to put everything up for the winter. It's a celebration, right? What what these farmers are doing? The second or, and third order effect here is they're saying, "Hey, yeah, we're protesting now. We get the crops in the ground. Good luck harvesting them if you do anything to us. You try and shut us down right now in the middle of the season." We've already got everything planted. It's going to sit there and rot. And then what are you going to do? And that, you know, hey, I'm going to say something. And I've caused some flack for this in the past uh, with when it comes to collective bargaining and, and the role labor unions have played uh, throughout American history which I, I think is is a good thing in a lot of ways. And, and you know, they, there's been some negativity to it, but there's a lot of good things too. Hey, that's the power of collective bargaining right there. You don't go on strike. You don't organize a strike. You don't collectivize and strike when it's not to your advantage to do so. You know, you, you never do any anything like that. And anybody that's familiar with organized labor knows that you have a contract that is between the the hiring company that the labor works for and then the labor has the contract right and so whenever the contract has uh, it's getting close to its expiration date they say okay you know we're gonna uh, negotiate for a new contract and we want this this and this you know and it may be and you know, it's not always a bad thing either. It gets a lot of uh, bad press when it's coming from, you know, the the corporate end, but it's not always a bad thing. I mean, it's, you know, again, I I don't want to get too deep into that, but that's exactly what they're doing here. Um, And they're saying, look, we've been taxed to death. And what is the government of the Netherlands even doing? Um, They've invited in a bunch of uh, people from the third world, from Pakistan, from Somalia, people who are not productive sectors of society, you know, in, in Western Europe in general, this, this is a really important point here. Western Europe in general is being asked and they've been asked for the past 20 years to change their culture to accommodate these foreigners who have been brought in, who have been willfully brought in. And they're tired of it. They're fed up with it. And they're having to pay taxes, you know, in this this socialist system that is this uh, what, what's uh, all the American socialists like to sanitize it by saying, oh, well, European style socialism, European style socialism. Yeah, that doesn't work when you have a whole sector of people who are blowing your people up who are burning down your churches, who are running you over at your holiday Christmas parades with your your tradition and telling you that you're wrong for not wearing head veils and eating pork during their holy months. To hell with them. To hell with them. 
And that's exactly what's happening here. And that's what these people are protesting about. You know, and, and they're tired of paying taxes into a system and, and being taxed a system that doesn't represent them. And we're, you know, what, uh, somebody in the comments was saying that, uh, you know, wait till it comes here. Yeah, it's, it's coming here. It's beginning. Uh, we're seeing this, the, the Canadian uh, or the uh, Californian, rather, California truckers, um, you know, the, the government of Gavin Newsom out there has literally made being a trucker unaffordable okay you can't make any money so if you can't make any money doing it why the hell are you doing it they said no we're not moving any goods we're not doing that there's a shortage of def you've made it to where we have to buy a new truck to meet your environmental standards every few years to hell with that we're not doing that we can't afford to do that what's the average cost of a peterbilt or a Freightliner truck, you know, it, it's it's at least a couple hundred thousand dollars. You're talking about financing a house at that point. You can't afford to do that, man. You 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 literally can't afford to do that. Um, so these these things are culminating, man, and and it's it's collapsing. And when you look at the left, you know, to to leftists that I know are are going to be listening to this big picture here. You guys are in a hell of a lot of trouble because the right wing has taken every one of your tactics and every one of your arguments because you people now are the ones who are controlling things from the top. You people now have become the statists. You people now are the ones that we're having to stand up against and we're collectivizing. And that's why I use Rage Against the Machine in the beginning of the show and at the end. That's the reason that I do that. Because we're, we're the ones that are having a stand against you. And we wouldn't have to do that. We're not the supporters of corporatism. We're not the supporters of, of this crony capitalism, which has been th this neoconservatism, this neoliberalism, this neoeconomics, the neo-everything that you've introduced. This is exactly what you've created. And you are creating this problem. You know, so if, you, if, if, if the government wants to settle this stuff down, if the Davos crowd was smart, the World Economic Forum, what it, build a bird, build a bear, whatever they call themselves this week, if, if they were smart and they wanted to dial this back and they wanted to calm things down, the way they would do it is actually introducing free markets, is actually by being real capitalists. But they can't do that. They can't do that because they want it. They, they want to control everything. They want central management. They want what the Soviet Union wanted. They want a Stalinist-style approach to everything. Um, it's, it's not working. Uh, it's, it's, it's not working. But I don't know. I, I went long on that because it, it's, it, it's, a, it's an interesting topic for me as, in particular, somebody who has studied organized labor, who grew up, in uh in, in the world of organized labor and seeing it firsthand uh yep. how it can be very successful when it works it, it it's it's very very successful and it's one that i think uh I, I watched organized labor go from being very liberal to all of a sudden the, these are the guys who are waving the, the american flags the hardest uh, you know, when I was very, very young, organized labor in in Southern Virginia was very, 
pretty pretty liberal. You know, they, they were the blue dog Democrats were, were kind of what the, what they were known as being. And and they went they transitioned from that to uh, United Steelworkers at the grassroots level, overwhelmingly voting for Trump in both the 2016 and 2020 elections. Uh, yeah. So it, it's I mean, why did that happen? Because it's pro-America, it's pro-economy, it, it's it's keeping money in your pocket, it's repatriating jobs, it's protecting the country, man. This is the country that we live in. You know, we, I, I don't give a shit about the global economy. It that doesn't it doesn't really matter to me. It doesn't register to me. Just as those those uh, farmers in the Netherlands, the rest of Europe doesn't matter to them. Growing their crops is what matters to them. It's what their ancestors have done for thousands of years, and they're going to keep doing it. But they're tired of being pushed around, man. So, yeah, they, they got every reason to do that. And so those second and third order effects is exactly to your point. My concern that we're really going to see a ripple effect here. And I really think that we're not just going to see the ripple effect in – the agricultural sector, uh, sector or the 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 economic, um, you know, the markets of this, that, whatever. I really think it's going to trickle down to a degradation of services and what's available to us. And so, oh yeah, yeah, yeah circling back to the point. I mean, I just think that people have to understand that what we have right now may not well. We might not have this in 12 months. And I'm not even talking about you can't get your this, you can't get your that. I'm I'm talking about really the service sector. This might not be available because all of a sudden everything is tightened up so much between the the Fed tightening, between inflation still skyrocketing, oil being up because OPEC has us by the balls. It's got to be something you're thinking about now and planning for in the next 12 months because I have a feeling people who aren't are going to be behind the curve. Yeah. Well, there there was a lot of people that were behind the curve when, when fuel hit $5 a gallon. Um, I mean, it's a thing, you know, I keep putting up links to different products, stuff that I use, Um, you know, Palmetto State Armory, which we have, uh, I have a very great relationship with. Um, you know, all, all the things that, that I think that you need to be buying right now is stuff that I'm buying too, you know? And, and so I'm putting up links to all that stuff. It, it's, I mean, yeah, it supports the site and, um, it, you know, it, it, it's helping us cover the hosting costs, um, and, and allowing us to build onto what we're doing to better serve the community, man, at the same time, you know, I'm buying the stuff too. I, you know, I, I'm I'm not sitting on a high horse. I'm not one of these guys in the alternative media that's uh, telling you one thing and doing another. I'm not naming any names. I'm just saying. Uh, but it, you know, it, it, it's we're all doing this, and this is stuff that I think it, that everybody needs to be working on. Um, you know, and, and you're exactly right, brother. Uh, the uh, we we're. We're definitely in entering some some treacherous waters, and um, it's getting more and more treacherous. The south, the, the things that are happening in South America right now should be eye opening. 
and nobody in the media is even talking about it. And that is very telling. Uh, they're still stuck on this Ukraine boondoggle, which is a bridge to nowhere. It They're not going to win. The government of Ukraine is going to collapse. It doesn't matter how many billions of dollars we give them. We really need to be focused on making sure Bolsonaro wins again in Brazil. And he is in a lot of trouble right now. Um, so, but so I'll talk more about that. I, I got a podcast I'm doing this weekend where I'm going to be talking about. Breaking so SD asked for uh, specific recommendations. Um, and so since I brought the topic up, obviously I, there was something I was, I wanted to talk about. So if you don't mind, um, one of the things I've been doing, I posted early on in January about, I was on a, um, a weight loss kick. I had gained a lot of weight. Um, I was up way higher than ever had been. And so I started to do a, um, and I talked about it. And if you search my, um, my name on the, uh, website you'll see it's it was basically no fat no carbs just lean meat and veg and so the diet is not what the topic of this is what i did before that was i did a a body composition scan and i did a very comprehensive blood test and i'm blessed with a very good doctor who is not my it wasn't my primary choice i actually was with someone else when i got COVID in august he refused to write a prescription for ivermectin Went to this other doctor. He said, absolutely, I'll write it. Then he had his medical license threatened three months later, but that's whatever. So I knew that he he appreciated when you went in there and you said, I want this and I want X, Y, Z. And here's the reasons he, unless he had a big objection, he'd say, all right, fine. So whatever, I lose all this weight. I do this blood test again. So now I'm tracking my blood test, right? I'm, I'm tracking my body composition scan. I scheduled a bunch of dental work. I scheduled my eye appointment. I'm only 32. I scheduled a cardiology scan because I was like, you know what? I want to see if there's some buildup in my system. I'd like to have early detection. I scheduled a dermatology appointment because I wanted to see if I had any skin cancer coming. I scheduled a liver ultrasound to see, which basically covers the entire lower abdomen. So one of the things that we have to consider as partisans is, yeah, we have access to all this stuff now, but we might not have it later. So if your insurance or your finances allow it, I would move up a lot of these tests and also ask if your your GP or your, your primary care physician is okay with you getting these preventative tests. And, and the reason is you're going to find problems that, you know, if I didn't get this cardiology scan, which I have scheduled in, in three weeks, say I don't get this. And then all of a sudden, you know, in the spring, shit pops off and I feel chest pain. Well, at least I know I had this scan six months, nine months earlier, and I know that I'm clear. So I think one of the things we have to consider is trying not to get mech. Mech is always talking about, you know, obviously healing people because that's his thing. But I think mech would prefer also if people took preventative care. So that he didn't have to deal with half the bullshit he has to deal with. Not that he deals with heart attacks and, you know, fatty livers and all this stuff. But from a medical perspective, I think one of the things that our our readers and our listeners have to focus on is if you can do it, get that dental exam. Maybe there's a cavity that it's almost a cavity. They're like, hey, we're going to fill it anyways. Because normally you wouldn't have felt it. And then six months down the road, 
shit hits the fan and you're like, damn, my tooth hurts. It's the difference between your tooth being filled now and your tooth getting pulled later. If you have this dermatology where you're like, oh, this mole kind of looks weird, but whatever, I ain't going to get it checked out. Six months down the road, it might be some dude being like, hey, take a swig of this whiskey, bite this stick, and I'm about to carve it out with a stick, and maybe that'll help. Or carve it out with a knife, I mean, and, and maybe it'll help. So I think that, 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 and that's what spurred this whole idea and having this conversation was I made it a point to be very proactive about my medical stuff. Even though, like I said, I'm a young guy. I'm 32 years old. I'm in pretty good shape. Um, I think it's something that everyone has to consider before the shit hits the fan. And and the other piece of that is asking for your medical records. So going to your primary care physician, going to your dentist and saying, you might have to pay a few bucks, but hey, I would like a copy of all my medical records. All right, it's 12 bucks, it's 15 bucks. But now you have that. So now all of a sudden you find yourself in a gorilla hospital. You find yourself, hey, something ain't right. And you might come across a doctor or even shit, a vet who's like, I kind of know some medical shit. You know, obviously I can operate on other mammals. Let me take a look at, oh, you have your medical record? That's crazy. You have it in a paper form and not on a hard drive? Cool. Let me look at this and let me just see if anything pops. So I think it's two things we have to consider. One, getting all, and, and Rawls talks about this a lot, which is probably one of the reasons why it spurred when I mentioned that you talked about Rawls. Rawls talks about it a lot in his book, uh, How to Survive the End of the World as We Know It, which is the first book that I read that got me into prepping. Um, getting all the preemptive shit out of the way. Like, if you want to get LASIK, get LASIK. Like, don't wait. If you want to get this, get this. Um, so I think that really sit down and have a realistic heart to heart with yourself about what your health is, where you are at and what tests you should get. And it's very easy to take 20, 30 minutes of Googling and find the keywords that you tell your doctor and say, Hey, here's the reason, here's the indications that I see that I think I should have this test. Cause most of the time, if they're a bad doctor, they're going to be like, well, I didn't order it, so I don't give a fuck. If they're a good doctor, they're going to say, you know what? That's a good argument. If they're a great doctor, they're going to say, you're actually being proactive about your health? Sure. Like, for example, my doctor, when I went back for the second very, very comprehensive blood test of, I don't even know how many vials they took. It was a lot. Um, and when I was doing it again, he goes, I I'm going to check this box. Because it's going to get this, 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 and this free on the insurance. I'm not going to check this box because they're going to bitch about that. And it's going to cost you a bunch of money. So if you have a great doctor, you're going to have that. If you have a good doctor who just listens to you and says, you know what? You made a comprehensive argument. I'm going to sign off on this. I really think it's something that everyone needs to do. Because the last thing we want, we all, when the push comes to shove, we all want to be in the fight. Whether it's being a trigger puller being a radio guy or being a guy who just drives someone point A to point B. And it's not going to help any of us if two days into the conflict, you had a blockage that you could have detected eight months ago that suddenly breaks free, goes to your aorta, and you're dead. So I really think every person here needs to do this preventative care if your finances allow it. And if your finances don't allow a comprehensive Take a, a look at your body and the realistic risk factors. Like, if you're like 325 pounds, 
maybe you don't need the dermatology so much as like a cardiologist or like if you're kind of smaller, but you can't run more than like 30 seconds, maybe you want to go to someone who like an ENT or a pulmonologist to figure out what's going on. Um, but this is something I, did, I really didn't take seriously until I got COVID in August. And uh, a, a lady who was very, very much smarter than me really drove into my head to be more proactive about my health and has really driven behind me. Here's, here's what you need to do and here's why. And once you put aside the ego of like, no, no, I'm fine, I'm good. Um, you realize you, you do need that stuff. So I, I highly encourage, and I'm going to shut up now because I don't want to take up too much time, but that is uh, my recommendation is get as much of the preventative care as you can. And then when you identify risk factors, what can you get over the counter to mitigate that or at least help, right? That's the other piece of it. But the first thing is, is really having, being honest with yourself and being like, hey, look, yeah, sure, I'm fat as fuck right now. I need to work out more. But in the meantime, I'm going to get these tests. Now, I'm going to commit to myself right now to be more fit. But right now, this is my risk factor. Let me get these tests to check out. And that's that's the end of my rant on that. But I, I really do think that's something that people should consider. Because I don't always know. I mean, something as stupid as not having enough finances for it because all of a sudden inflation's up, you lose your job because they got to lay you off for this, that, whatever. If you have the ability now to get it, please get it now. And and that's all I'll say about that. Definitely, man. Well, our subject matter expert that is in the house, you're going to offer up some advice, his thoughts on that. Magmatic, you, you got any thoughts? Uh, that. Wow. Yeah, he definitely just nailed like everything that I was pretty much going to talk about. If you've got surgeries that you've been sitting on, um, even minor ones um, that you're like, eh, it's not that bad. I can wait. Get those things taken care of because there's going to come a point in time where you're not able to to wait anymore on the blood draws. Um, even if you think you are 100 percent healthy, especially if you're O neg. Um, but anybody get a blood titer test done. You can get a blood draw for like 20, 30 bucks. Yeah. And when you're getting that titer test specifically request blood type antibodies, um, if you can, that's preferably what we're trying to check for. Cause with that, that blood titer test is to make sure that you don't have any antibodies for if you're own egg for the A or the B uh, or the RH uh, antigen, which would cause a, mm -hmm. uh, an interaction if we were to transfuse your blood in a, in a situation where we need to activate that walking blood program. Uh, so that's definitely something you would want to get done and you can, you don't have to have a doctor's permission to go do that. You can go to like a lab core or any like private lab company and they'll do that lab for you. Like I said, for like 20, 30 bucks, it's just or a also bio. donate blood one time. They'll, they'll do it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Uh, if you can donate blood, um, go there. Um, I will say try to avoid doing Red, Red Cross blood donations because uh, mm -hmm. they're not that good of an organization. And I've had a lot of bad negative interactions with them, uh, specifically during emergencies. So, yeah. And, and to your point, Mac, I don't want to, uh, you know, dominate the conversation. But here's a great example of it was I didn't know my blood type. I have my complete medical records. Oh, wow. I have my, hell, I got I got my complete dental records with with x-rays. 
nowhere in there listing my blood type. Yep. So I get a blood type, and most of my family is O positive or B positive. Uh, and even the smart person I was talking about is B positive. Um, I'm B negative. So if I didn't know that ahead of time, I try to get blood from any of my, you know, oh, oh, I'm O positive, universal donor. No, it's going to kill me because I'm yeah. negative. So if you don't know your blood type, absolutely you have to find out. I don't know how good the tests you can buy online are. I'd like the to Eldon actually, cards? now that I know my own, I'd like to try actually buy one and test one. The Eldon cards are really accurate. We include them in all of our uh field transfusion okay. kits not the ones that i have listed on the site but the ones that like the dod buys for us yeah. in the military the eldon cards are in there and that is like standard procedure that we do so somebody asked in the comments what makes o negative different so o negative is the universal donor blood type and that is when you don't have the ability to uh type match you're going to want to start with o neg because they don't have any of the uh antigens for the a or the b uh, blood and types, they don't have the don't have the, uh, the RH, which is the plus or the minus. So it doesn't have any of those. So that can be anybody can take Oneg blood. So this is probably the only part of like the, the medic shit I can talk about. Um, yeah, so think of, I'm sure everyone remembers back when they were in science, they did the, the Punnett squares of someone had AB and someone had B and they figure out what the types are. I had to go over this with my family. I was with them yesterday. We had an impromptu uh conclave and i was we I, we were asking everyone of their blood type and and here's the easiest thing to remember is that if you're negative no matter what you are you can only take negative now it depends on what your letter is with it but negative can only take negative no negative or positive can take positive yes. and negative yes. negative can't take positive correct correct so correct. if you're a b negative i can take B negative and O negative. If I'm gonna be positive, I can take B positive, B negative, O positive, O negative. The reason why we call AB, particularly AB positive, the universal receiver, is because they can take A, B, A, B, or O, and it doesn't matter whether it's a plus or a minus. If they're AB negative, and this is why this matters, because you might know I'm an AB, I'm an AB blood type. Well, are you positive or negative? Because if you're an AB negative, you can only take the negative versions of those that you can't take the positive. So if you're an O negative, you can literally only take O negative blood. If I'm a B negative, I can only take B, uh, B negative and O negative. So it's really important to not just know what the letter is, but what the, the basically the plus or minus is next to it, because it could be the difference. Like in my situation, with the really smart person, it, it's we're both B. All of a sudden, I get shot. Oh, let me give you blood. Well, they're, they're B positive. I'm B negative. I'm fucked. So that's why it's really important not just to know the letter, but the negative. And and again, the rule is always everyone can take O. Everyone, depending on what letter you are, you can take your letter and O which is why AB could take A, B, and O. And positives can take negatives, negatives can't take positive. And it sounds like something so stupid to know, like, okay, that's fantastic. But there might come a time, and Mech had several good articles about walking blood banks and blood transfusion. It matters to know. 
And so it's something that if you don't know what it is, it's worth either donating blood to find out or paying for that blood test to figure it out because you got to figure out and, and you, there should be a chart that you keep on an index card or a piece of paper somewhere where everything is listed. So when push comes to shove, oh shit, Johnny got hit. He's B positive. Who can give to him? Look at the card. There we go. Him, 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 and her. Boom. So that's, that's Mech, that was exactly, those blood, uh, the walking blood bank and the blood transfusion articles were beautiful. And, but you can't have that without knowing your blood type, which is why I brought up having the blood tests. So. Definitely, man. Definitely. Uh, wow. Uh, holy hell. It, it's, uh, I, I don't know what I don't know about any of, any of that, but that's the reason that I keep MacMedic around. Cause he knows this stuff inside and out. Fucking A, he uh, does. <laughs> He's trained. He's trained to do it. I can put on a tourniquet. I can give you an NPA. I can, you know, uh, look at you and be like, oh, shit, you're messed <laughs> up. But um, <laughs> I, I, can, I can try <laughs> to put a, a, a dart in, but I don't really want to because... Mech demonstrated to me how hard that is, so I don't I don't really want to go through there unless you're like, oh, if you don't put this dart in 10 seconds, I'm going to die. I'm like, uh, YOLO, it let's go. <laughs> it won't be 10 seconds. But it, you you also ain't going to be like Donnie Wahlberg, or uh, was it Mark Wahlberg? No, it was Mark Wahlberg. In, uh, it was Mark King. Wahlberg. Yeah. Yeah, it was Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Man, man. Wow. Three Kings, that's old school, though. That's a great that's movie. Yes, it is. Um... Man, it's ah that reminds me. It's something I never told you, man. I know one of the Marines that was in the very beginning of that movie. Those guys were like working out and doing doing whatever the fuck it was they were doing. Like in the beginning, I ran into one of those guys that was in that. Like he was he he was was he was like oh man yeah I was I was in uh, Three Kings. And I was like really yeah. Like, oh, okay. He's like, yeah, I'm in the beginning of it, you know. Like, he pulled it up. He he found it on YouTube and like pulled that clip up. And he's like, that's me right there. I'm the guy that's pissing. Like, like, wow. Like that. That's too crazy to, to. And it's it's like from a long ways away too. Like that's that's literally too crazy for you to have made up. So I believe you. Um, but yeah. But uh, anyway, shit movie shit movie but I, I do remember like that was when whenever that movie came out i was a kid i kind of sort of hate everything with george clooney in it but um <laughs> he's, he's terrible he's a terrible actor um he's a he is famous for nothing like he's, he basically just plays himself he plays himself he plays he's the same not character a good actor he's like oh my god Anyway, uh, off that topic, he's just so, so fucking terrible. But anyway, um, point is, though, they see everybody always thinks of that movie, though, when they think of, uh, you know, putting in a a, a spike in the chest and, you know, we're Mm going to 
And it's like, look, ten, if you got tension pneumothorax, you ain't doing all the shit that that Marky Mark was doing in that movie. <laughs> it's uh-uh. uh, it ain't happening, buddy. Like I've seen sucking chest wounds for real. You're not in a good way, okay? Like, and I even know one guy. He was an Iraqi. He survived his sucking chest wound. Uh, I know several people who did not, um, but. Pretty much everybody else that I saw the second jazz wound, they, they did not make it. But uh, the one dude that survived it, he only survived because we had a surgeon not far away. Um, and you're you're in a bad way, man. You're in a yes. bad way. Um, that's why we don't wear steel body armor because this shit throws uh, spalling <laughs> everywhere, and spalling is going to create a second chest wound. Just okay. like- don't no okay no last thing i'll say i won't i I will shut up for the next 30 minutes fucking i literally had some guy come out on our twitter he goes oh oh, he's pulling it up i can hear him clicking in the background (laughs) (laughs) okay so i posted someone posted about uh, someone posted about steel armor and i and i posted our review of it and the guy goes Props for at least putting it in a carrier, but a pillow is not a good ballistic medium, and that coating looks awfully thin. This is from a guy who has all ceramic plates, and what I just sent him was, it doesn't matter what the medium is, whether it's a ballistic shell or a pillow, the spawned speaks for itself. Do you really want to get that in the chest regardless? Also, that is the in-caps standard fucking coating they put on. I, yeah, People who yeah, defend that's, that's, steel armor need to go away. Yeah, man, if if you're look, here's the deal. Like people people just want to buy stuff to be buying it. Like, all right. That okay, so I I'll just tell the side of the story from this. While Patriot Patriot Man's down, we shot up some steel body armor that he brought down. Anybody now I kept the armor. I got the armor carrier. So everybody that comes to class here in North Carolina, and I've got some classes that are still up. Um, that, that, that are still open for enrollment. They're, they're kind of getting close to being full, but you know, anyway, you're all going to get to see it because I'm going to hand it around and I'm going to show it to you. Um, like here's the deal, man, steel body armor. If you're wearing that shit, I don't give a fuck how many layers of rhino line and they put on those things. It ain't going to stop spalling. Okay. It's not. And when we put, those pictures up all right we put those pictures up i shot it i was using m193 right i had some 855 there but i didn't want to use the 855 why did i not want to use the 855 because my truck was also there and that was the only way that we were going to get off the range i and so and also some other precious cargo was there so yeah, I, I didn't. They, there were other people who were there who were watching it, and I'm fine with things ricocheting at me, but I know what steel penetrators do when they don't penetrate. So I ain't dealing with that. Okay. But I'm just saying, 55 grain, that's a good test because that's what most people buy. Okay. Um, so there, there you have it. And that, that, so I'll post up the pictures, right? They speak for themselves. You can look at that. Um, and then you get some jackass who, you know, when people, I'm going to give you a little, little highlight into my world. 
when you get on my website and you post some stupid shit, I'm going to figure out who you are. I have ways of doing that. Okay. And when the company Mm -hmm. rep from the, the, the social media manager from the company in question gets on my site to make comments, right? Because SEOs and all that, they, they constantly monitor that stuff. And he saw that it popped up. that There was a negative review on their body armor that they sell. So he's going to go and he's going to defend his brand. That's what he gets paid to do. So he gets on there and immediately he posts up a video that they did eight years ago, eight years ago of them shooting at a allegedly their body armor inside of a box. Okay. Well, this is really interesting. So they got it inside of a a U.S. Postal Service first class box, right? It's post office standard box that they put it in there. And he literally says, oh, if it's going to spall, it'll go outside the box. Yeah, it would. It would. Except that when he's shooting, they were very clever about doing this because they shot it. The way that they shot it, they did some video editing in there. They had him shooting from or whoever it was that was the trigger puller that he's shooting at a target. The target is a long ways away. You see his rifle. He's using an AK, by the way, because he, he was saying, oh, it's going to stand up to AK rounds, right? Because that <laughs> kind of sort of is the standard for, um, well, I mean, it, it's not. It's actually 7.62 by 54. Is the standard for body armor, right? That, that we're testing it, and we we say now ceramic armor that it'll it'll take three hits of seven six two by fifty one, right? There's there's a very minute difference between seven six two by fifty one, seven six two by fifty four. Fifty four is what uh, Mosin the Gants, the SVD, the PSL, the PKM. Right, the com block weapons, they all use that to kind of an antiquated rimmed cartridge, but it stays in service because it works, right? But that's the real test is, is can it stop that? I've known people that have been shot with 762 by 54. Um, and and it, you know, I, I know people that that their body armor stopped it. The other rounds that that they got hit with that hit soft tissue, unfortunately, uh you know, it, it did a lot of damage, but you know, and, and I've shot people with 762 by 51. So I'm very well familiar with the ballistics and the behavioral characteristic of rounds when they hit targets. I'm really not the guy, honestly, that, that you want to talk to, uh, talk down to rather about ballistics. Okay. I taught forensics at one point in my academic career. So I, you know, that's one thing I don't really talk about a whole lot, but that's something that you really don't want to discuss with me, especially if you're some fly by night uh, sales guy on social media for a, a, a bum fuck fucking company. Fuck you. OK, I don't want to talk to you. So they they're using an AK. He's shooting it from first person view. It's going down range. The, the comments are up, by the way. You can get on American Partisan. You can. I didn't delete anything. I didn't edit anything. You can see it because I wanted this jackass to run his mouth because the more he said, the worse they look. Okay. I'll link it in the in the chat in about thirty seconds. Yeah. So 
they got a first person view, right? He's shooting. You don't see the target. You don't see where the rounds are hitting. You can't see any of that. But it's implied that he's shooting the target. And you think in your head it's very clever because it's all a sales tactic. Oh, eh, no big deal. He's shooting the target. Okay, cool. Right? And then they pull the box up. And it's very, very interesting. If you didn't know any better, if you, you know, you ain't never seen the elephant, you never been there, done that, you don't, you, I mean, whatever. All right. You might buy this, but if you have ever shot anything, and I'm talking about anything from, you know, random targets that, that are feedback targets or, you know, something with an intermediate barrier or live tissue or whatever, you know that bullets fragment. All right. Don't insult my intelligence. Okay. And it's, it's not a question of whether the steel stops the round. It's where the rest of the round goes. Okay. So they pull this plate out. It's got a little dent in it, right? It's got a little dent in it. To me, I'm just going to infer what I saw, what I think I saw. It looked like maybe they hit that thing with a ball peen hammer. I'm just saying, I don't know exactly what you did, but you damn sure didn't shoot that plate. All right. It's got a little dent in it. Kind of looks like the end of a ball peen hammer. I'm just saying. All right. There's no indention in the rhino lining that they painted it with. They say it was anti-spall protection. Bullshit. That's rhino lining. All right. That's what it is. Because I got a plate that I'm going to show everybody with that shit chipped all over it. And a shredded plate carrier that was in. And it was a brand new Condor plate carrier, by the way. Thousand denier, right? So for any of the people out there that think, oh, this, no, I don't know. That might be a little thin. Yeah, all right. Well, <laughs> take a look at it for yourself. It, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, HP11 says in the comments, where did the bullet go? That's a good question. Where did it go? The bullet wasn't there. All right, so they, they pull this plate out. The bullet's not there. The bullet fragments didn't exit the box. Where the fuck this magic bullet go? This, I mean, is, is this the thing that killed JFK? I mean, what the hell? Like, where did it go? Uh, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious, dude. Like, I mean, it really is because I was fucking there. Like, I watched it. And we're, I'm taking these, like, I'm yeah. the one taking the pictures and scouting someone with his finger in the picture. Yeah. Like, it like, is it, the it, most the bullshit bullet? shit I've ever seen in my the life. Bullet? The bullet hit our, our steel, and, and then the guy gets in the comments, the same guy, I'm like, hey, you know, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I'm basically calling bullshit on, on their little test, whatever, right? Then he gets in the comments, and um, he he says uh, something to the effect of, well, you didn't have our latest, and, and that's how I knew right there. I hadn't, I hadn't even ran this dude's bona fides or Nothing, right? But he gets in there and he says, well, you haven't ran our latest uh, coding. And I'm like, bro, this, this armor <laughs> that doesn't like matter. A year ago. How many how many partisans have bought this product right here? So you, you're selling a shit product? I mean, come on, man. So, yeah, question is, did it stop the bullet? Yeah, it stopped the bullet. Where did it go from there, though? Like, it, it stopped it at the point of impact. It didn't stop it everywhere else that it went. 
Okay. And this was a curved plate. This was body armor that they have marketed to people through their shifty fucking marketing. Right. Don't be buying that crap. All right. Steel body armor. Well, I, I just say there's no such thing as steel body armor. Okay. There's steel plates. If you want to wear that crap, fine. Okay. Fine. You do you. But I'm just telling you, there's some professionals in here right now and on this podcast that have shot people, that have seen people get shot, that are trained medical professionals, that deal with battlefield trauma specifically. We're all telling you don't do that. All right. So you spend your money where you want, but I'm just telling you, you know, straight up. And when you come to class here in North Carolina, it doesn't matter what class it is, in my classroom, I've got that body armor plate carrier and all sitting right there in the corner. You can expect it at will. You can take pictures of it. You can do whatever you want. Okay. You, you can, yep. you can sit there, you can put it on, you can put it on, you can examine the pillow because apparently pillows are not ballistic material. Well, sorry, yeah, because, because you know, the, the, the skin of the pillow and the skin of your skin is, it's not going to penetrate your skin. If it penetrates a pillow, you know, it's fucking ridiculous. morons. Shifting gears here, though, uh, getting to the the topic of the conversation with 30 minutes left on the clock. Uh, Is the AK, the AK, the Avdamat Kleshnikova, is the AK obsolete? And what prompted this episode? Well, uh, about a month ago, maybe it was a little bit longer uh, than that, Military Arms Channel, um, you know, they have Tim over there has has put out a lot of good content over the years. Um, you know, personally, I, I, I'm a fan of Tim. I think that he makes the uh, Second Amendment community look very professional. And he's he's done a lot of good work, a lot of good weapons tests. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a fan of his. And, um, you know, I, I don't know him personally and full disclosure, I don't know him personally. Uh, I do know some people in the larger community who do know him. Uh, I know that, you know, he checks out American partisan every, every so often. Cause I had somebody email me, um, who, who's a friend of his and, you know, he, he's, he's done good work, man. So this isn't necessarily an attack on him, uh, at all, but, but I will say this. So him and his crew that he has, he, he's got uh, a FFL that he runs and does some custom weaponry and stuff. And um, he did a video basically saying that based on some of the, the OSINT side stuff that he and, and uh, some of his employees, uh, guys he hangs out with and whatnot, have seen, that it looks like the AK is obsolete. And, you know, it, that video went viral because for whatever reason, man, people just like to argue stupid shit online. Uh, one of the stupidest damn things they argue is is AK versus AR, right? AK versus AR. Who cares, man? Like, train with the weapon you've got, okay? Train with the weapon you got. And... This statement of the AK being obsolete based on what you're seeing out of Ukraine. Um, bro, I don't know what you're smoking, 
because the Russian army is using both the AK-74 and the AK-12, which is uh, Kalashnikov as well, with, with a few modifications. Um, and they, they're not really having any shortcomings. Uh, so what I want to do now is, is kind of roundtable it up. I know each one of you are intimately familiar with Kalashnikov variants and, and, you know, we're basically going to take it from there. I, you know, I myself, I'm, I'm kind of going to jump in at the very end of it. You know, I don't like saying that I'm an expert in anything, but I am very, very. Yeah, familiar. but you are. <laughs> well, I, I ain't going to say that. But what I will say is, is that I've been shooting. I've been a Kalashnikov owner and shooter since 2004. Um, I have run a Kalashnikov in combat on multiple occasions. Uh, I have carried one on several patrols in Afghanistan as well. Um, I taught classes to the Afghan border police on using their AKs. I mean, it wasn't like a formal, hey, we're going to do this. But, you know, these guys that you're taking out on patrol for the next 12 months, you might want to train them up on how to use this stuff. And before, as part of the train up process, uh, they, they were running HP 11, uh, AMD 65. And, and I know, uh, from you coming to the AK class, uh, AMD 65 is, is one of your passions. That was what they were primarily using. And, um, part of our train up was, you know, Hey, how do you best run this system? So we were looking at some of the guys that, that were training the AK out there. Larry Vickers, of course, um, at that time, uh, Sonny Pazikas was really hot and heavy as a trainer at, at that time as well. He had just released, uh, beyond the firearm two, And I bought that as a DVD and, and, uh, passed it around, made digital copies of it. And we used that as a uh as a training tool for the afghans and you know we had them doing mag changes and in rapid fire drills and um you know all the stuff that we do in the fighting carbine course we were doing with them and uh teaching that and and so yeah I, i'm intimately familiar with the Kalashnikov, and I, I think that i'm well qualified to talk about it so anyway uh with that said now that i've got that out of the way Guys, your thoughts, your reactions to the the Avdamat Kalashnikova being obsolete, or is it is it a viable weapons platform? Is it something people need to be working on? Madman Actual, top of the list. This motherfucker right here. Crickets. He got quiet on me. He got quiet on me. Ugh! Did you go away? Oh, man. It says he's still in here. He didn't tell me yeah, he was going on. He unmuted, but maybe he can't talk right now. Eh, maybe not. He even racked a, an AK. He was all pumped he up. He sure damn did. Magmatic. Moving down the list. Reactions. I think that's a dumb statement that it's not viable. Um, if it wasn't viable, the Russians wouldn't be running one in some way, shape, or form. Um, it, there's a reason why most guerrilla forces use AKs, uh, because they're so easy to train people on. I mean, just look at the the 
the manipulations of it and how everything is very gross movements. Um, it's very simple and easy to learn. The sights are basically pistol sights. Um, yeah, it's only good out to 300, but ooh, who gives a shit? Um, it being especially the 47 in the 762 by 39 with FMJ normal ball rounds, you are leaving a nasty fucking wound. Um, you don't even need to worry about buying special like OTM rounds. It's an effective rifle. It's a simple rifle. It's lasted as long as it has for a reason. Similarly to how the AR platform has lasted as long as it has. Um, in some version in U.S. military since the, the 60s. Um, it's Both of those are very good platforms. Um, but the AK specifically is if you're training people that, that don't know things, um, it, it makes a lot of sense. And then you combine that with the stuff going on south of the border and in South America um, and what they're probably going to try to do. The AK-47 specifically makes a lot a lot of sense for a partisan preparing for something. Yep. Yeah. Can't agree more, man. Can't agree more. It, it, particularly how you said it stuck around for a reason. There, there's a reason. Um, the AR has stuck around for a reason. I mean, it's because these weapon systems work, man. They, they continue to work. They have worked over and over and over again. They're battle proven. Uh, I don't think that they're too, well, let me take that back. There's, in my estimation, there's three weapons platforms, small arms platforms, let's be specific, small arms, uh, that are the most battle proven on the planet. You know, the first one, obviously the AK-47. The second one, the AR-15. The third one, the Glock. Period. Period. End of story. I mean, it, and that is right there. That that list, any, anybody getting into prepper firearms, that's your list right there. Okay. It, it, you know, semantics aside and all this other stuff, that's your list right there. Um, Patriot man, what, what are your thoughts? Um, the idea that the AK is obsolete is fucking dumb. Um, particularly because, uh, Nick touched on one part of it, which is ease of operation and being able to teach people. Um, it is a much more simple platform, in my opinion, than the AR. And not that the AR is complicated, but there's just a lot less stuff you have to do with the AK than what you have to do with the AR. And also the idea that you can have someone who's stupid have the AK and be like, oh, I dropped this in the mud. I picked it up. It still shoots. That's cool. So I think that's number one. Number two, I don't know who touched on it, the uh, average engagement distance. So if we're talking about, in particular, a lot of the conflict we see, you know, the the, the, the battles we see in Ukraine, and I know that uh, I've been on the Twitter account since the beginning, I've been tweeting a lot of it. A lot of the initial engagements for MLRS systems or howitzers, whether it was 155 or whatever. And when you see the, the nitty-gritty of the combat, the engagement distance, which is something you teach about in the scout course, you're within 300 meters. And guess what? The AK punches through 
vegetation way better than the AR at 300 meters. Now, if I'm shooting someone across the field at 500 meters, give me an a <laughs> give me an AR with yeah you know an ACOG or a primary arms 3x, and I'd rather have that. But to me, I, the question's hard because know your operating system. I mean, know, know your operating area, and I think that the AK will never be obsolete for that exact reason. Is that it's not meant for someone to snipe at 500, 600 yards. It's meant for urban conflict where I got to maybe punch through something the, the 5.56 won't, or I got to punch through foliage that the 5.56 won't. So, no, I think it's the dumbest thing in the world. Now, you know, whether you're more comfortable with the Air or the AK, to your point, run what you're most comfortable with, but with, and I remember one of the first articles you posted on AP was about the AK-103 is being built out of Venezuela. Yep. These firearms are going to end up in our land if they're not already here sooner rather than later. So even if you're an AR guy who was like, you know what, the AK sucks dick and I don't want it, you better learn how to use it because there might be a chance you have to pick one up on the battlefield to use it. But in no way is it obsolete. I think that is – I didn't see that 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 argument and you know, in the Twitter sphere or anything that I follow, the RSS feeds – but that might be one of the dumbest things I've heard in the last five years, that the AK is obsolete. Because half the Ukrainian army is also running the AK, so you can't say it's obsolete just because the Russians are running it, because half the, the Ukrainian army is running it too. The other half are given 5.56, which is also dumb because there's no interchangeability, but we'll, we'll just go past that. Um, I don't know. To me, no, that is such a nonsensical argument, and... If someone said that, I would just disregard everything else they had to say about any other gun platform. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, man. Uh, wow. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm certainly not going to say that about Tim. Um, I, again, no, I, I, I don't know Tim. To to, to to be fair, I have never seen Tim, so I don't know him. But yeah, that's, just, that's how strongly I feel about how stupid the argument is about against the AK. Well, the crux of of what he was saying is and what was being made is sort of kind of plays into what you were talking about but from a different angle. Um what was specifically being said was optics integration and uh, enabler integration. And so for anybody that, that isn't familiar with those terms, so uh, obviously optics uh, what optics are you, you putting on a weapon and then uh, enabler? Uh, the most typical enabler that people think of, and I'm rolling my eyes right here. Everybody that knows me knows that I'm rolling my eyes, is uh, lights on weapons, but uh, quickly followed by IR lasers, uh, infrared lasers. Um, so why am I rolling my eyes about lights? Because weapon lights <laughs> have a very specific purpose. Okay. And, and that's um, kind of, it, it's, it's way overblown. And the guys who make weapon lights and weapon light mounts are laughing all the way to the bank. Uh, weapon lights are not something you put on a weapon when you're doing rural patrolling, period. You know, and, and this is something that I always get people that look at me sideways, like, oh, you're taking me, you told me to take that off. And every time in the scout course, when we're doing our nighttime patrols, 
They end up compromising themselves and getting shot at with blanks, by the way, blanks. Got to be specific. But because, especially on that first run, because they, they're not thinking about, all right, you're, you're hunting another human being. Okay, this is what you're doing. You're not, um, you know, the, the most dangerous game. I mean, go back and, and, uh, and read that. It, it's a classic for a reason. Um, you know, you have to think like the hunter. And so anyway, getting to the argument of the AK, though, optics integration. And so in its traditional form, the AK is very much a product of its time. Um, you know, it was designed in 1945 going into 1946 and it basically contrary to popular internet lore, it shares absolutely nothing in common with, uh, the Sturmgewehr, uh, 40, the STG 44, other than maybe the curvature of the magazine, but that's it. Um, it, it, it's not a Russian ripoff of that. If anything, if, if you knew anything about firearms, it's actually a very close copy of a grand action. If you look at the grand and you flipped the operating rod and bolt upside down, uh, because the operating rod and bolt is, uh, underneath the barrel on a grand action and you put it up over the top. And the reason that the, uh, the design team behind what became the Kalashnikov because it wasn't Kalashnikov just by himself. That that's kind of a, a, a myth. He didn't design this weapon by himself. There were other uh, competing designers as well. Uh, the Semenov action was kind of a stopgap measure, uh, but it was never designed to be implemented long term. And the the Kalashnikov, they they had some design issues with the Kalashnikov originally. It was a stamped receiver. The stamped receiver wasn't holding up. And they went to a milled receiver for strength, but the milled receiver was too heavy. And then they went back to a stamped receiver and they finally had everything figured out. They, they figured out what where they needed to rivet things for strength during the, the cycling of the action. Um, but the point is, is that it, it was a product of its time, optics integration. So with the Kalashnikov, you know, in the early days of the AK in the United States, the... Uh, the 1990s rolling into the early 2000s, it was really the Wild West. I mean, there, there was more questions than people had answers. But in this day and age, you know, uh, you, there's really two correct answers that I will point to as being trouble-free uh, optics mounts that, that you need to go to. SLR Gunworks or Ultimac. And both of those replace the gas tube and they, they kind of work in similar ways. They replace the gas tube though. SLR gun works is a little bit more robust of a design. That's not to underscore the, the Ultimac. Okay. The Ultimac is really the standard. I run an Ultimac on everything. Uh, every AK that I have that, that is set up to be a fighting carbine, um, I do have a couple of AKs that I have set up in, in kind of a traditional uh, way. And, and the reason that I do that is to keep my skills sharp with the AK in its stock configuration. That way, if I ever had to pick up one, and there is a possibility that they may happen, 
echoing what uh, Patriot Man said, they're building 50,000 of those a year and have been in Caracas, Venezuela, AK-103s and 104s since 2019. And Venezuela, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the things that I've been saying for a little while now. Um, and Madman Actual, brother, I, I wish you were uh, still in the house. I don't, I don't know what's going on with your tech issues. But, um, you know, you were echoing that in the comments earlier today over on American Partisan. You know, the AK is very much alive and well. Now let's talk about the rounds. So 5.45 is really dominating the battlefield in Ukraine. and it's it's a 5.45 versus 5.56 in the small arms capacity uh, kind of fight there. And I think it's a moot point because both of those rounds perform similarly. Okay. There's, there's ballistically, there's really not a lot of difference between those two in the contemporary loadings. Um, you know, 7.62 by 39 performs far, far superior in heavy vegetation. Okay. We're not talking about, you know, shooting up static targets here on a range. We're talking about engaging targets that have intermediate barriers between them. And I'm sorry, mass of the round is going to win out every single time I've seen me do it. Okay. Um, I, I can tell you what five, five, six is going to do to a vehicle to vegetation, right? I've seen it, okay? And, and I know that 7.62 by 39 will outperform it. Um, now, are you going to get the same level of accuracy? No, you, you're not. But when you're talking about, um, you know, every, everybody's chasing one MOA or better, and, and that's fine, man, but we're not one MOA people, okay? One MOA reduces your margin of error quite a bit. And, and I am someone who is well qualified to know, but you know, in the you're still, you're still going to accurately. If, if, if you've zeroed that properly and you know how to shoot, you're still going to make accurate hits 300 meters. It's, it's really not that hard. And you've got vital targets all throughout the torso. You've got vital targets extending down into the groin, you know, it, it, it's but optics integration. So to take what what was being said, what was being argued in that that video about optics integration, um, with those two mounts that I suggested, you know, put a red dot on it. If if you can't hit a target out to three hundred meters with a red dot, and you know, I'm a big fan of hollow sun aim point T ones are, are excellent as well. Uh, but I'm a big fan of the hollow sun, the, uh, 403 it's a aim point T one clone. I have ran the dog shit out of mine and they work. Okay. For what little bit they cost, they absolutely work and they work very, very well. So get yourself one. Uh, get yourself one. It saves the weight. It cuts the weight down on, on the weapons platform. It makes it a very handy weapon system. And I've had guys in class, uh, the, the, the crew out in Texas. Um, I had a guy in, in that class and every so often he's in the chat room here. He made hits, repeated hits at 450 meters on a man-sized steel target using that very same setup. 
And all those guys were running AKs out there because it performed yep. well in the South Texas brush. And that that's what they got. Okay. So to say the AK is obsolete, you know, with, with five minutes left on the clock, I think that that is a, um, it's kind of a, a ridiculous statement. Um, basing it on what we're seeing out of Ukraine, if, if that's going to be your sole litmus test, then I would say all weapons under 6.5 millimeter are obsolete because that the it, it's a lot of these contested urban areas have devolved down into a sniper's war. Uh, so you, we're not really seeing a lot of small unit um, pitched battles so much as we're seeing uh, snipers that are uh, precision oriented that are shooting at one another with precision uh, weapons platforms. And that's being used in conjunction with uh, fire and maneuver of indirect fires and armored mechanized movements. So that's what I'm seeing. So, you know, I, I think that, that the whole statement is kind of ridiculous for, um, our purposes for what we're talking about um, where I live in, in um, you know, here in North Carolina on the East coast, the AK performs extremely well. And I kind of, when I was coming up, I had a very good friend of mine who uh, I talked to the other day, um, very well seasoned combat vet um, and uh, early, very early Ranger school uh, grad as well. He had uh one of the early classes uh, of ranger school and uh, a guy that, that I have a mountain of respect for. And, and he and I were, were talking um, just the other day and, you know, he, he knew my dad real well and, and, and we were having that conversation. But one thing that he always taught me when I was younger was if, if that caliber can kill something walking on four legs, it can reliably kill something on two legs. And, you know, he, he kind of came up with, you know, he was in Vietnam and, and um, you know, the, the M16, the AR platform, he's really kind of not a big fan of that. But the AK, that, that's something he favors. Now, I'm not saying, you know, right or wrong, whatever, doesn't matter. But he's right. And combat experience always is going to speak. And, you know, it, 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 and I'm not denigrating the AR because I love the AR. Okay. I love the AR platform as well. I, I think that what it offers us optics integration and, and everything is great, but you can do a lot of good stuff with the AK as well. I've seen people in class do it. I've taught it um, and I use it. And so when the balloon goes up around here for, you know, day to day intermediate things, you know, the AK is always on the short list of things that I'm going to grab when, when there's a bump. Uh-huh. Um, now we get further down the road, asymmetric warfare, Tom, you know, it, that's going to be one of the Remington 700s or, you know, probably going to end up being uh, my Dave Lauk rifle that I have over here that, that I need, I need to do a lot of work with. And I just uh, regrettably, and I told him, I sent him an email, you know, regrettably, I haven't had the time because of everything that's going on to do, to do it justice, to do that rifle justice. But, um, I will, and that's coming, but it, it's going to be one of those precision bolts. 
But for everything else, you know, the AK out here, it really rules the day. Um, but anyhow, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, again, I'm going to be running an AK specific class in 2023, first quarter of 2023. Um, the, the larger community needs it. And because of its prevalence in South America and, and how we have all these elements that are very openly saying this, this is how we're going to roll um, headed, headed forward. Uh, I think it's a good time to brush up on those AK skills is absolutely not obsolete by any means. I don't care what any social media influencer tells you and you need to be out there training with uh, guys got any final thoughts with just a couple minutes left. Uh, I'll go last uh, madman. You there, you have anything now oh, Mac, you go. I uh, got classes coming up. I got one this month. Still got a few spaces left uh, next weekend, actually. Um, and also, and... if you if you are not signed up to Mech's Patreon courses, you're out of your mind because the 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 training you get for that. And he's not told me to say this, but I attended several of his classes just because out of a courtesy. And he's like, "Hey, hey, come check it out." I'm telling you right now, man, it is worth the money. So if you're if you're interested, which you should be in medical because there is a commandment. The 11th commandment is thou shalt know how to plug bullet holes as much as you shall make them. So you should definitely know how to do medical, uh, you know, interventions, whatever it is. Check out mathematics class. Appreciate that, brother. As for me, don't Ew, discount dude. the AK. Um train on both because you never know what you're going to come across what was that scout yeah yeah no just he last yeah just just train on the ak training your medical stuff and like i said before get your medical stuff you can get away get it done everything you can think of get the test done get your medical records get everything in paper because what's coming is going to be nasty and you might be treated in some gorilla hospital where you might have to hand a manila folder over saying, here's my medical records doc. You have 10 minutes. Look at it. Fix me. So do it. There you go. There you go. Anyhow, with all of that said, brushbeater.org slash training calendar, please come out to class. You owe it to yourself to get that training. And, of course, all my other compatriots who are in here, check out their training calendars as well. AmericanPartisan.org daily news headlines and a lot of other good, great, and sometimes even better original content that is mm. put up. God bless everybody. Thank you for staying up with us. And I'll be talking to you again very, very soon. This is NC Scout and the Sons of Liberty. Out. Let's <laughs> go!